We all value intelligence, cognitive intelligence, emotional intelligence, social intelligence. But what about aesthetic intelligence? Why don't we ever talk about that? And what even is aesthetic intelligence? Join Pauline Brown, longtime luxury goods leader and founder of Aesthetic Intelligence Labs, as she invites her friends from the worlds of fashion, beauty, and design to discuss the power and purpose of aesthetic intelligence. We live in a world in which people clearly don't need more stuff. If anything, we're all trying to get rid of stuff. But there is something we all still very much need, and that is to feel alive, get inspired, discover new ways to express who we are. All that emanates from aesthetic intelligence. It's one of the few things left that doesn't rely on technology, and that's why I call it the other AI. For more on the power of the other AI, here's Pauline Brown. Hello, welcome back to the other AI. This is Pauline Brown. Paula, good to see you. I'm going to let you introduce our guest, Marina Thomas, what it is she does. Uh, Let me just tease our listeners by saying, um, if you care about your image and you have um, any sensitivity to color, uh, you are in for a treat. So if you are colorblind, you can turn the channel right now. But for everyone else uh, who has uh, an interest in what I've just said, over to you, Paula. Hi, Pauline. Great to see you again. So I first heard about Marina a few months ago when my friend Rothio sent me a picture of her face with her personal color palette. So I was like, what is this? This is so interesting. And your face looks so bright. And then she told me about Marina. She connected us. And we've been talking since. Marina, she's an image consultant. She's a color analyst. And she's the founder of Mantis, which is an image consultancy company based in London and Madrid. If I'm not mistaken, Marina, you're in Madrid now? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, so you've special, you studied psychology. Uh, you then, yeah. yeah. And then you went to study fashion. And then you specialized right, uh, in uh, color consulting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I had my colors done when I was 16. And that was the moment um, I realized the kind of magic of all of it. Because I used to only wear silver jewelry. And they told me I could never wear silver anymore. I had to always wear gold. And why is color analysis so important? And why can, for example, why can't you wear silver? Um, so because I suit yellow based, warm based colors. So color analysis is is really important because the different colors that you surround yourself with make your face look different. So the colors that suit you will make you look healthier, more energetic, more credible, friendlier. And the colors that don't suit you, they they don't kind of gel and match with your face in the same way. So they make you look more tired. They'll exaggerate bags under your eyes. They'll exaggerate wrinkles, everything we don't want basically. And I find it something fascinating because I can't believe it's not something we all know about because it's such an easy fix when you're tired. If you wear the right color, it just reflects on your face and creates the kind of, um, yeah, just makes you look your most radiant, your best. Like, you know, when you see someone that you know, but you see them and they just look incredible and you don't know particularly why because you saw them recently. It's that type of thing. It's an immediate reaction. You just see someone and you're like, wow, when they're wearing everything, in harmony and that's how the jewelry kind of fits in because once you've established which colors you suit if you suit more yellow based or blue based colors you either suit gold or silver or more kind of warm metals Mm. or and 
kind of gemstones and things or silver and that's all part of the kind of harmony of of the way you dress in a kind of color palette basically. so i have a question for you marina um you focus on wardrobe right but we're surrounded by colors we're in rooms with colors there might be flowers on the table with bright colors um there's a color of your hair there's the color of your makeup how far should you be extending this to make people look their best well I think yeah it's kind of baby steps I suppose I think starting off with the clothes you wear what you surround your face with and the makeup what you wear like when we do a color session we ask people to come without any makeup because we need to see people's natural undertones of their skin um and and their natural hair color as well. So if someone's dyed their hair, we'll cover their hair. And basically the most important is what's closest to your face. So that's why we start off, yeah, we focus on wardrobe and makeup. But then I think ideally people should create their whole homes to kind of have their sofa being in harmony. I think people also naturally do once they become interested in it, they start seeing that colors aren't really in harmony when they've got the wrong undertones basically. So um, I want to take this. Um, I want to take this uh, home here. You uh, said you have. Uh, you 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 ought to be surrounding yourself with sort of vibrant golds and yellows. You naturally are very fair. No surprise from the UK. You have sort of blondish, almost ginger colored hair. Paula is um, half Spanish, half Portuguese. She has more traditional Spaniard coloring with, um, uh, I wouldn't say olive skin, but uh, certainly more pigmentation than you or I, and uh, quite dark hair, um, hazel eyes. So when you look at her, um, and I'm just going to do this real time, what are some of the things that you see? What would be your advice? What's the, And then related to that, for all the listeners out there, what's the process you go through to make those recommendations? Um, so the thing is that there's actually there's no set rule because although as you say um, yeah me and Paula have different coloring it's how the colors kind of work on your face is to do with reflections of kind of colors the color of your skin but also the kind of thickness of it the color of your eyes different the kind of texture of it and your hair so it's quite a lot of combinations even your kind of lip color so that doesn't really tend to be any particular set rules there are some people are more a more kind of you could guess like you can try and guess because some people um like some spa I'd say in Spain in general you'd find more people who suit cool based colors like blue based colors and maybe in the UK slightly more warm based but it's still it constantly changes and it's quite yeah, it's not very good to guess because, yeah, if you try and guess and then you actually do it, you, yeah. you see that you are wrong because within each category, you can be a very kind of blue-based, warm colour. So everything, mm. it's just, it's quite subtle. That's why it's very important to actually see. So if Paola now had different colours and she, that's how, kind of how we do the online consultations. If she had different colors and could show me different colors on her then I could see how her face is changing that's kind of how we do the sessions uh-huh. um, is there any science to indicate how people's behavior changes I understand that people's behavior toward the individual if they're in certain colors versus others the perception of 
maybe them being more powerful or meeker or younger or older, but do people themselves actually behave differently in different colors? Yeah, I know a little bit less about this, but I do know that there is, our nervous systems do actually react to different colors because a color, a color, each color has a different wavelength and energy. So it's processed. We have a kind of physiological response to them. Um, but I don't know a huge amount about it. I know that our eyes, yeah, they process them all in different ways, which causes different physical reactions. So, I mean, they say that kind of green provokes kind of creativity because there's something kind of calm, natural about it. Um, blue is the world's favorite color. Um, and probably because it's something people are very comfortable with, with the sky and the sea being blue. Mm. Um, and then you've got, yeah, orange, success, high energy. I think, but I think these are things, personally, I think these are different across different cultures and different parts of the world. And uh -huh. there are probably subtle differences in different people, how they've been brought up to have different reactions to different colors and things. So as a New Yorker, I am, um, and I try my best to, oh, to, to, to get, to, to wean myself off of black, but I have so much black in my closet and everyone I know in New York wears black. And every time I say I'm putting a moratorium on buying more black, I find the one thing that I see in the store that I know I will wear is black. I'm going to guess that nobody is at their best in black. No, so, <laughs> so some people are at their best in black, but it's only a quarter of people. And even within that, often it won't be their very best color. Mm. I'd say it's sort of a 16th of people would have it as one of their kind of best colors. So there's definitely a higher proportion of people who actually wear black than should be wearing black. Um, but yeah, I think there's black's very interesting color. It's developed. Yeah, it's got connotations of sophistication and high culture. And I think I think it kind of stems from religious um, from religious beliefs, really. And like in the Western world, religions always tended towards kind of more sober colors. And I think mm. that's where it all developed, mm. really, the idea of kind of respectability and moral decency. Um, I feel like that's what kind of draws people in the West to wear so much black because it's uh -huh. something that's sort of slowly built up over time. That's interesting. So I just came back, uh, as Paula knows, from Bali. I was there for a conference. And um, it was a treat to be there. Uh, there was a lot of festivities uh, around the event I, I had um, attended. I was overwhelmed with not just the um, intermixing of colors that is so much a part of the sort of Indian, Indonesian, Malaysian, Thai cultures, but also the shininess of it. Everything was very gilded. Uh, particularly gold, um, not metallic silver or bronze. And so there was a lot of yellows. There were a lot of reds. There was a lot of mixing of intricate patterns of different colors. Um, and for me, it was um, both spectacular, but also a little bit like going to a buffet where there's so much different food that you almost feel sick to your stomach. And I was a bit nauseated with the color. Um, talk to me why in some cultures, there is so much more appetite for the vibrancy and the intensity of color than in others like the one that I come from. Um, well, I'd say again, yeah, there are kind of various 
reasons for that. I think one is historically the fact that in the kind of Western world, dyes were much more expensive. So people didn't have them kind of readily available until the kind of 19th, 20th century. Um, but then, yes, yeah, so I'd say there's been kind of a lot of color in other parts of the world for a lot longer. So it's much more kind of deeply ingrained in their culture. Um, I think there's also something about color that that's quite kind of feminine and people see as quite kind of infantile. And I think that's something that in kind of major cities like New York, London, Paris, people kind of want to avoid that. They want to, they want to look powerful and professional and respectable. And I think color can be something that can take away from that. Um, yeah, that's my opinion, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, well, I think there's someone in the Western world that differentiates herself from this uh, black trend, which was the Queen of England. She was known for her colorful outfits. What do you think about those outfits and the way she presented herself? Did she use her right color scheme? Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, she was definitely a style icon. Um, and I don't, again, the same reason I can't tell you exactly which colors suit you. I'm not exactly sure which colors suited her, but um, I imagine I imagine she could have suited kind of warm, bright colors because she often wore very bright colors. Mm -hmm. um, but I think how she dressed was largely for practical reasons because she needed to be seen through huge crowds and she wasn't kind of incredibly tall. So I think the bright colors were largely based on that, but. Mm -hmm. I also feel they looked good on her that because I've started to notice when people when colors look kind of jarringly wrong on people and I've never noticed that with the queen so I imagine if she would have had some kind of um color analysis done to um have her amazing color Probably. she always wore mm -hmm. um yeah, yeah there's something very dependable and kind of unflashy about her mm -hmm. outfits it was yeah amazing I, I think it was also the purity of the colors they weren't muted Mm -hmm. Right. There was nothing subtle. There was, uh, you know, if it was yellow, it was a lemon yellow. If it was green, it was an emerald green, you know, um, yes. that would became a bit of a mark. So you just mentioned a moment ago, sometimes you see, and let's just stick with the celebrity realm, people who are getting it dreadfully wrong. Can you give me an example when you see someone? It might be on the red carpet. It might be in the political domain. Um. I can't think of an exact example right now because I notice it more just day to day in the street. Um, um, I, so I can't think of a celebrity example right now because because they tend to kind of get it right and get it wrong. It's not that it's not so much that someone is always getting it wrong. It's more the variety. So sometimes, um, yeah, sometimes you just see it because yeah, the colors. So for example, someone that suits kind of cool blue based colors if they wear a color that's very yellow based, it'll make them look a bit ill and make their skin go a bit kind of yellow and their faces will lose definition. And you get the same like the other way around, someone who suits um, warm colors. And if they wear something very blue based, they'll just, yeah, they'll have kind of darkness under their eyes. They'll have kind of exaggerated too much contrast. And you know, that kind of effect when you see, you see someone's outfit it before you see them so even if you like the outfit it's just overpowering the person that's another thing that's quite a clear impression um 
that someone's wearing the wrong thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. How do you work with clients? What What is, the, I mean, you mentioned you'll do it virtually. Uh, you look at everything from the thickness of their skin to the shading of their eyes. Um, can you, do you start with a framework or do you just have them hold, you know, some sort of color cards up against them and assess it individually? Yeah, so so what we do is we start off by going through a bit of the kind of color history and kind of ask them about what, what their kind of favorite outfit is and get some kind of, if it's virtual, ask them for some photographs where they of their kind of favorite outfits and of some clothes that they don't wear or that they love. Um, because most people, most people only wear 10% of their wardrobes, mm. 90% of the time, pretty much. So there's a lot of clothes that people are constantly trying on that they, they don't wear and they don't know, they don't know why they don't wear it. They just try it on, um, and take it off again. Whereas they have certain pieces they'll be attracted to and always wear. Like I heard that, um, that you never wear yellow on one of your, um, previous um, podcast I was listening to and that for example would indicate to me that you might suit more blue based colors because people that kind of are thinking about what clothes suit them they tend their kind of favorite colors and the ones they're very averse to tend to be to do with the fact of, that it's making them look bad but even if they haven't necessarily kind of consciously realized that's why it's just whenever they try it on they look at themselves uh-huh. and they think they look awful um and, anyway, and by the way, I will say on that one, it's interesting because I want to like yellow. When I see someone else, like a Beyonce would wear yellow beautifully, right? And when I see somebody owning that color, I always admire them. Um, but it, 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 I'm also thinking it's a risk of online shopping because oftentimes I take things off of the rack. I love the silhouette. Um, I might like the designer. I... Um, you know, it might think it fits some occasion I'm looking for and I put it on and you just have that visceral reaction when you look in the mirror that you, you it's very hard to project when you just see an image on your screen. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Also, because online, the colors don't always look exactly the same as them when you receive them. Um, mm. Yeah, um, no, I completely agree with that. And it's it's that's why we kind of recommend that when people shop, they start with the color, then look for the style and the fabric everything that because there's just colors it just makes the biggest difference because the shape the shape yes it has an effect on your kind of silhouette but the color has the biggest effect on one's face and that's what normally when people are kind of interacting in day-to-day life it's kind of speaking to people and Mm. yeah so I see your clients would have two challenges on the one hand is what looks best on them on the other hand, is how they want to be perceived in society. So if you tell me um, <clears throat> pink is what suits me best, but I want to feel or at least be perceived um, more professional if I'm going for an interview, for example, how do you balance that? So one main thing that we kind of um, also discuss with people is about um, whether, because people often say kind of that I suit green or I don't suit blue. or And the thing about the the colors that everyone gets. So there are kind of 16 different um, kind of subcategories of colors that people end up being. And each of those have different colors within them. So even though, um, so that, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, um, 
the categories are split between warm and cool colors, and they're then split between bright and soft colors. But within each of those color palettes, there are brighter and softer colors and darker and lighter colors. So it means that people are still able to choose the colors that best suit their personality. It's more that I'd mm -hmm. recommend they choose it from those colors. So it's about kind of, like if you look at a, if you look at a blue, um, if you think of a kind of a, a very bright blue, that would be a kind of typical cool blue. But if you then think of a more aquamarine blue, that would be a more kind of bright. So we call that spring color because it makes you think of kind of, yeah, fresh water. And it's kind of, that's a kind of bright, warmer color. And then if you go to a teal, like a kind of that more greeny blue, then that's a color that another type of category would suit because it's a much warmer blue. So that's what I kind of suggest that people look out for when they figured out what, um, what category of colors suit them. It's so basically everyone suits every color. It's just about a shade of that color, I suppose. So, so I have a question uh, because for most of us, if we concluded that much of what we have in our closet isn't ideal, but we're not prepared to completely uh, discard and rebuild our wardrobe, what are things people can do with an outfit, let's say, in my case, I'd never be able to take a bright yellow and make it suitable, but I could probably take a black or a brown, a more neutral, or even an ivory that is not ideal, and make it more suitable color-wise. Any any tips? Yeah, so for example, one technique, which is a great one, which is to kind of wear a scarf, because it's about what the color that's closest to your face that makes the biggest difference wearing a kind of scarf around your neck in a color that suits you on top of your kind of black dress or whatever is a very, very good one. Um, and again, the kind of jewelry. So to, if to wear silver jewelry or gold jewelry, depending which one you suits useful, but it's, it's basically the top half. So if you didn't suit yellow, I'd say having, but you love it, I'd say wearing yellow trousers or having a yellow handbag is like, fine, that would work. But I'd just say not to wear that on your top half is the key and the same with the makeup to kind of avoid wearing those colors as makeup and and uh, for people who might listen to this and say oh uh, you know what marina does uh, i'd love to do something like that what is the training what can they be prepared if they wanted to go down this path for themselves or professionally um so to do the training various kind of image consultants offer it um i trained in London through a company called Red Leopards, um, who are great. So it, it takes kind of about three weeks to do. Um, and you have a lot of models. So you practice on people of all the kind of yeah, 16 different categories I was telling you about. I was just wondering if you were, as you were talking about Red Leopard, do you need to have studied art or psychology or something related to style? Uh, no, I, I don't think. I don't think you really need to have studied anything because it's a very, yeah, the technique that you learn is very unique in itself. So there's, yeah, kind of theory behind it. And then there's a lot of practice. So it's more, it's more like a skill that anyone can learn if they. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As um, we always say in aesthetic right. intelligence, it's, it's a muscle that uh, needs to be developed. Um, but I do have yeah. to ask because we've had, uh, people on the show who have uh, a great ear for sound. We've had people on the show who have great sort of um, sense of smell, perfumers, many a chef. 
Are you a super seer? Do you see colors more profoundly, you think, than the average person? Um, I've heard that there are people that work for kind of Panton and things that are super seers. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how, <laughs> how you test for that. Um, but I'd say I'm, I'm probably not because of, yeah, I did the training with various other people. And I mean, I, I think everyone was able, it, it's more tuning into it really. And instead of thinking of a green as a green, if you compare it to another one and think about how it's a more blue based or yellow based green, it's more about kind of, yeah, just expanding the color wheel really and thinking about different shades of colors. Got it. Well, um, as always, uh, the time went by very quickly, but really appreciate your coming on the show, Marina. You uh, have a wealth of knowledge. Um, and again, for people who might want to have their own colors uh, assessed and, um, and, and, and supported for a better, you know, more impactful image, you now know where to go, Marina Thomas. Uh, thank you, as always, to my partner in crime, Paula Oriel, and uh, to our new producer, Jaron Ferguson. You've been listening to The Other AI. Look forward to reconnecting next time. 